Hi, and welcome back to the Maximitas Podcast. Sorry for the absence. We had some scheduling snafus uh, with guests and such. Learning. Always have something on backup. Uh, today's guest is my good friend, Chris. Chris and I work out together. Chris is the one who brought me to the worst place in my life at one point. Just kidding. Uh, we, we actually talk about that a little bit. Uh, we talk about life, you know, getting better as a human. Um, and that's one of the things I respect about Chris the most is his journaling, his reading, uh, the deep self work he does. Um, I do ask him a bit of a controversial topic. And again, I'm an idiot and Chris tried to answer it the best of his ability. So don't get mad. Sit back, enjoy, and let me know what you think. In there right now, which is so dumb. It, yeah, it, I don't know why. Um, so, take two. We had this going, but it was being stupid, so I restarted it. Anyways, uh, Chris, thanks for coming. Uh, Chris is my workout buddy. Currently, he's the one that trapped me into the hellhole of Lifetime Fitness. Easy. <laughs> it was your fault. It was my fault. And yeah, he's just uh, become a good friend. I wanted to have him on the podcast. He will be a regular guest because I do think he's uh, got some insight because he thinks critically. He's well read. He's not a douchebag. He's a stand up guy. Let's get let's get through the first one before we assume all those things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hang out with you for like three hours every week. That's fair. And we got a pretty good idea of your character. Well, why don't you kind of tell everybody who you are, where you came from, um, you know, and then we'll just kind of go from there. How far back do you want to go? <laughs> Birth. <laughs> Born in Cincinnati. Um, grew up... I grew up in Northern Kentucky. I, I always tell people I grew up in Cincinnati just because nobody knows where Cold Spring, Kentucky is. Okay. And it's just easier to say Cincinnati. I mean, if you're from Minnesota, I'm where I grew up is closer to Cincinnati than St. Paul is to Minneapolis. Oh. So, yeah. A little different. Um... Let's see. I grew up a family of, there's six of us. Um, two sisters, one brother. Um, my little brother is 15 years younger than me. So it's kind of fun now being an older brother and having a different relationship with him now since he's just graduating college. Uh, that's a been, a, a been a fun thing recently. Um, I currently am in the wine industry. There's a really wound-about way that I got there. Um, I have a degree in architecture. I was the kid at fourth grade that said, I'm going to be an architect. And I did it for my entire, I mean, all through grade school, high school. Went to college for it. Had like four and a half years of suck in college because architecture degree is ridiculous. Um, and graduated in 2008, um, which is the worst time in the world to graduate with an architecture degree that focuses on high-end architecture for housing remodels and fashion. Um, so this next couple of years could be the worst to also do that? Potentially, yes. Yes. I actually remember when I graduated um, in 08, it's probably at that point it was like 2010 or 11. I'd have people ask me about architecture because I went to a really good school and survived it and they asked me like why like what would you tell somebody going into architecture right now I was like 
probably go into something else. I felt <laughs> bad saying that, but like at the time, it probably was decent advice just because the economy sucked and nobody was building homes. Um, so in 08, I graduated. Um, my wife, Melanie, and I had recently gotten married. Um, she's in the fashion design industry and she got recruited up to Minnesota to work for Target. And that was around the time when I moved up here. I was like, I'm gonna give myself 30 days to get a job in architecture or I just gotta make some money to support us. Like newlyweds, you don't make shit coming out of college <laughs> as it is. Uh, so then I started working for Lifetime. Um, worked at Lifetime for almost 11 years. And had a fun, lot of fun doing it, but then around, what was that? 19. 19. Decided to make another career change. Um, Let's talk about that month. Which one? <laughs> the career change month of November of 2019. Oh, man. It started in October, for being honest. Um, so, I had been admittedly miserable and I kept chasing things. Um, by that I mean like trying to find stuff that would make me happy at work, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, Is that where like the flipping clubs thing came in? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, like it was like I'd get, I wouldn't say bored at a club, but I'd look for a new challenge and I felt like the new challenge would keep me like engaged. And finally at some point, I was like, I, this, this like flipping clubs and going from one to another and trying to rebuild teams, like something just wasn't clicking for me anymore. And I remember Melanie looking at me and going, you are just not happy. You haven't been, and you need to admit it to yourself. Um, I have a tendency to, we'll say overthink things and believe I can fix anything. And I didn't think it was real. Um, and we'll see that that was October of 19. Her and I went to Europe. <clears throat> she, we were, I remember sitting in the, we had just gotten to Madrid and we went to a bar and her and I were sitting there talking and within 15 minutes of having like our first or second drink, I looked at her and I was like, I'm quitting. I'm done. Um, it's going to be good for my mental health. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. Um, but I was lucky enough to be in a spot that I could make that career change and make that life change. And, you know, we had decided we were going to make some adjustments in our life just to see what came up next. Uh, I remember coming back to Minnesota, like feeling refreshed, like, all right, I'm going to do this. I hadn't picked the time I was going to do it. And I didn't, I hadn't told anybody. Um, Melanie was literally the only person in my life that knew about it. And... I got an email at 7 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. I think it was like November 3rd or 4th. And it was from my boss at the time saying, I want to have a meeting with you. Uh, let's talk about like the trajectory of things. And I text Melanie. I said, I bet you by 9.15, I quit. <laughs> and sure enough, by 9.15, I quit. Walked in and they just asked me like, are you happy here anymore? And I was like, honestly, you know what? I'm not, I'm out. Um, it's not good for me anymore. I've, I've enjoyed the ride. It was a great 11 years. Uh, 
I want to leave on good terms. Let me help you out. Like, what can I do for you? And yeah. Then I had to tell the entire team two hours later. That was a, it was a fun, <laughs> fun transition as I'm sure Ray can say from, uh, being on the other side of it, being probably smacked in the face with, Oh shit. Well, it was no shit because it was November, and you know what happens at that club in November, the day after Thanksgiving, certain things happen where bazillions of dollars are made, and it was me, who had been there a little over, almost two years? uh, Almost a year? Almost a year. Almost a year. Because I was only there for a year. Okay, so almost a year. One of my peers put in his notice... The week before that? Pretty close. And then one of my peers left about a month after that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy, crazy couple months. <laughs> so that planning that event and then actually wanting to take his job and trying to do that was an interesting month with not knowing anything about anything. Yeah. Um, and working with that person. Um, but... Yeah, wild. So, and that kind of, that took, like, everybody kind of back a little bit, but then at the same time, like, no. But, why don't, that, that's what I, like, was like, oh, that's badass, is, like, what you were able to do, like, obviously you and Melanie have a great marriage relationship. Yeah. Um, tell us about the wine, because yeah. that's wild to me. Where that, where, where I am now? I, I saw your Instagram poster facebook from when you were just in wine country and said like where it all started yep so why don't you start wine there yeah so um that'll backtrack us a little bit but that's all right uh i remember so i was actually in columbus um working at lifetime i had a client um melanie and i hadn't been on like a real vacation together in, in years at this point um she was working a job that was freaking crazy uh traveling all the time and I, we had like a weekend that I was trying to figure out what we could do. And my client goes, you should go to Paso Robles. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know, 28, 29, you know, at this like barely new wine. She tells me to go, literally builds me an itinerary. She's like, you should go stay at this winery called Denner. Uh, and you guys are going to have the best time, blah, blah, blah. Like Melanie and I go out there. Um, we, we do exactly what she told us to. And I literally, I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is what people talk about when they're talking about wine. Like it was just, there was something in that. I mean, clearly the space, if I could show a picture of the space is beautiful. Uh, it's just these rolling Hills, like beautiful sunrise. And I remember sitting there going like drinking wine at sunset going, what, like, where has this been my entire life? And I mean, I'm 28 at the time. Like, <laughs> it's not like I'd been drinking for that long. And you know, at 28, you're not really drinking expensive wine anyways at all. Um, so it was that trip that like, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, there's something to wine. Like I, the industry, like I wasn't into the industry at that time, but like just spending the time enjoying a good bottle of wine with somebody that you care about all of a sudden it clicked for me. Like this is, this is something that's interesting to me. Um, so what is it about wine over like whiskey or like good cool. beer? Like, what do you think? Cause there's a lot of people will say like, I drink wine with my wife and it like just relaxing yep. over a bonfire. But with my boys, I'm drinking whiskey over that same bonfire. Yep. Like, what do you think it is about wine? So for wine, wine for me, um, 
if you go small production, um, like somebody who's not trying to make something that tastes the exact same every single year, mm -hmm. uh, each vintage cheese tastes different. So like a snapshot, if you have something from 2015, it is a snapshot of that year in a bottle. Okay. Like weather, weather, it's the weather, it's the, like how hot it was, how cold it was, how much rain happened. That's weather. Um, That's right. weather. <laughs> uh, you know, all, all that stuff put together, like the, everything about the climate, the soil, all that, it's literally captured in that one, one bottle. Um, yeah. so to me, it's, I don't know, there's something, I'm going to sound crazy, but something like romantic about a bottle of wine that you can't necessarily repeat in beer and in whiskey, um, keeping in mind I'm from bourbon country, uh, there's like you don't vintage it right mm -hmm. like it's just like this is a 15 year this is a 30 year like that kind of a thing yeah, yeah. whereas a wine is a snap like i said a snapshot okay so i like to think of things i'll sit down and i do it with a bunch of guys a bunch of like friends just like we'll bring cool stuff together and like sit there the first sit might be nerdy where we sit there and talk about it and be like nerd out on what was 2015 like in France or whatever, uh, but then you just enjoy it kind of thing. Okay. So. That would be fun to do with one one of our wives there, one of yep. them there, like three wine bottles <laughs> in the middle. Right. Um, okay, so there's the, basically it's capturing the essence of that year that it's bottled. That's, yeah, for me that's what it is. Is it, okay, so with, I know how whiskey's made. Yep. With wine, like, if I... The grapes get plucked, picked today. Yep. How long until that's a drinkable, good, like, average wine? Oh, let's see. At least months. So it just, it, that depends on, like, the the varietal. So if it's Sauv Blanc versus Cab Sauv, like, kind of. Thing. Let's talk Cabs, because I like reds. Right. So and at your average, I shouldn't say average, an example would be, they're starting to pick in Sonoma. Actually, I think it was two or three weeks ago, they started to harvest. Um, so they'll harvest, they'll crush it, they'll bring it into the winery, they'll crush it. Um, and then the winemaker makes a bunch of decisions. Do I, how long am I gonna sit it on the skins? That'll determine tannin and texture. Uh, and then what am I gonna put this in to age it? How long am I gonna age it? Those are like the factors that you'll have and each winery or winemaker will make the decision on how long he wants to do each one of those steps until he releases it and bo bottles it and then releases it. And some places actually have rules for how long it is, but kind of like bourbon can only be made in Kentucky kind yes. of thing. So okay. like an easy example would be Rioja. There's different, there's a crew grunk or not crew. That's France. Uh, there's Reserva, Grand Reserva, and each one of those names, it means the amount of time it has to sit in American Oak before, and then how much time it has to be in the bottle before it releases to the public. Okay. So, like, whiskey will sit in barrels for 18, 23 right. years. Yep. What What's, like, an average sit time in a barrel for would, your, like, run of the day? A couple months to a couple years. Okay, and then is there, like, a thing with wine where they'll be, like... This was aged for 10 years in an American oak. Like, what's the longest they go? Oof. 
Roughly. A couple years. I mean, some stuff in Spain that comes to mind, it's three, four years. One of the, Something I had from Italy recently was five years in, in barrel. But then it sat in a bottle for three more years before they released it. Like, the current release is 2013. Okay. Um, but, it, like, each country has so many unique rules and, like, intricacies. Well, that's the wild thing. Like, I know, again, not a goddamn thing about wine. Yep. But, like, you go into, like, a big box wine store, like Total Wine. For, yep. Like, you'll see French wine, Argentinian wine, yep. California, like... Peruvian, like weird, this one, two weird bottles from Brazil. It's like, does each region, like, could you put up like a friend, there's a guy on TikTok that does it where he tries to pick the French wine out of everything, but it's like, could you at this point in your like wine career, I don't even know what it's called, but like, if I lined up like a French red, a Spanish red, an American equivalent in Argentinian, would you be able to pick out like this, this from this read, this is from this country? Because there's like people that's like, they'll sip a wine and be like, this is from Spain. Yep. Sip, this one's from California. Yeah. Like, are you there yet? Uh, no, I would, I would not be confident in saying yes. Okay. Um, if you put four in front of me, I'd hope I'd get one out of four at this point. In okay. Year. Okay. Like that's like, I'm, I'm proud of where I've come in three years and it's, sticking in the industry for three years and enjoying it. Uh, but like to that level, that's, that's like a lifelong pursuit that I hope to get there at some point. But like right now, I don't know. I have a tendency to undersell myself too. So like there right, could, right. I, I might be able to do it better than I think I can. What's the test called? There's two. What, like what's the one that's like hard, barely anybody like gets, the scoring. That's uh, the one that there's a bunch of um, documentaries and stuff on. Yeah. That's Master Summing Okay. And that one's got like a 3 to 5% pass rate. Okay. That one you'll see there's three documentaries on it and that kind of stuff. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They're really interesting. Because a guy I do jiu-jitsu with it owns the Wine Republic yep. and he was telling me like he's taken it a couple times and like been close but he's been in wine for 20 years. Right. And he owned like owns a place. Owns a place. Yep. Where their their deal, um, they go pick out all the wines. Yep. So, it's like he's gone to Argentina for like harvest and helped make a bottle on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Is to go is to go to harvest. Uh, it's just figuring that out with work schedule gets a little difficult because you're committing time to it a yeah. lot of time. Well, I want to go to Argentina to dove hunt and duck. <laughs> so perfect. Um. We could, that'd be an easier sell to the wives, probably. Yep. Multi-tasking. Trip, yes. Um, okay, so if you're telling someone, I, like, I'm fascinated by wine and, yep. like, cigars and drinking and yep. all those different things. It's crazy how much of, like, most people don't realize how deep stuff can go when it comes to things like wine and whiskey and cigars and, yeah. Well, wine's the weirdest one, because I had the, this weird perception of wine up until I probably met you and RJ, um, just talking to you guys, because, like, I saw you guys had the wine party where you paired stuff with fast food. Yep. And then RJ had, to, like, we're in his wine club, had a one of the bottles at Christmas. He's like, you can drink this, or in 10 years, sell it for a couple thousand dollars because it's X, Y, Z, and that. Right. Reason. I was like, oh, what, like, what should we drink it with? He's, he's like, drink it with a fucking pizza. Like, 
don't, he's like, that's when he was like, don't get into this, like, oh, you can only drink these nice wines with a steak under these conditions. Yep. Like, the third moon, new moon, is it like, he's like, he's like, I'll drink a thousand dollar bottle of wine with Domino's. Yeah. He's like, drink what you like with what you like. Don't like, overthink it. He's like, don't let these wine magazines and all these wine sobs, like, take the fun out of it. It's alcohol. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it's literally just crust grapes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I, I agree. It's one of the most common questions I get is around food pairings and what's the perfect thing um, at the end of the, like at the end of the day, do what you like, even if it's not the like prescribed pairing, if you will. Yeah. Um, one of my goals in my career and why I love what I do and why I enjoy like working in the bottle shop or even working, like working at the bar is I want to make it more approachable because mm-hmm. I think there's this aura aura around wine that it's this, this industry that you can't get in unless you know everything about it and this industry that you don't want to just go order a, like grab a bottle of wine because you don't want to pair it incorrectly um i want to make it as approachable as possible yeah uh, kind of thing and just enjoy it see that's awesome because like i this might sound weird to you but like i love fish tacos and red wine yeah. people are like white fish with red <laughs> i'm like i don't care it tastes yeah. good if you're happy with it that's all that matters right um and I can think of a couple of red wines that I would do with fish tacos, so I'm <laughs> right up there. Yeah. So with like wine, like people, I've seen people do it, um, but not as knowledgeable. Like, is there like a, a subsection of wine drinkers who pair like drinking wine with cigars or like and do that the same thing they do with whiskey? Uh, I mean there has to be because I've seen people sure. drink red wine and smoking a cigar yep. at the same time. I'm gonna want a big ass red wine to do that to be able to handle the tobacco. I have like certain what's, things. What's big mean? So I want something that's got, so tannins, like the stuff that grips to your teeth and is just thick and chewy, meaning like the body of the wine, just you, can, you almost feel like you can chew on it because mm-hmm. it's so, so big. Um, and it's spent a bunch of time in preferably new oak because new oak's going to impart different flavors. It'll impart the, like it can impart smokiness, cedar, uh, vanilla, spice notes to the wine that would hold up to a, a cigar versus if I got something out of neutral oak, neutral doesn't impart anything. It just helps oxygenate the wine. Yeah. Uh, it's just not going to be, it will be too, there won't be enough there to pair with the cigar. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So a big ass Napa cab would probably work. Uh, a smoky Tempranillo from, from Spain. What else? I had this um, Armenian wine recently. See, that's just another one. That's another country that yep, has to have I their know. own. I know. I I had an Armenian wine recently. I paired it with Domino's Pizza. It was a <laughs> like a. It wasn't super expensive. It was a fifty dollar bottle of wine with a seven ninety nine pizza. Okay. And I like Melanie and I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. Just but it's got that smoky like dirty flavor to it that probably would go well with a a cigar. That's wild. Okay. And like what you like how into wine you are it kinda of makes sense. Like just thinking back to when I first met you and stuff, where it's like you were the one of the first people I knew that was like working on meditation, work like journaling, like doing all the hard, like mental deep work. You were doing that before like twenty twenty and that's when it became like the popular thing to start trying and you were doing that like well before then, like what led you down that path of like that deep self worth work? Ah, uh, 
I think where that started to come in is I like looking back on my like career in life, I wasn't happy at lifetime and I was trying to find ways to make myself happy and figure out what I wanted to do with my life, where I wanted to go. If it, if there was going to be a next step, what, what was that next step? Um, and it, it spurred from that, you know, I, I think I went probably 35 years without reading. If I'm being honest. I mean, I, I made it through high school and college and all that kind of stuff. And if there was a way to shortcut reading, I shortcutted reading. And now looking back on that, I probably wasted some time, but reading is one of my favorite. It's the first thing I do every single morning. Um, and I just started listening. I was podcast. I was listening to podcasts, um, just trying to think differently about life and figure out what was going to be next. Uh, I guess traditionally I'm probably a little risk averse. So like thinking about quitting a career after 10 years was scary. Um, honestly it was scary as hell. And I needed to figure out like a way to get comfortable with it and a way to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's where pot, like the podcast, the, stoicism, um, journaling about stoicism, that kind of stuff really started to affect me and clicked with me. And stoic philosophy is one of the things that I have, I kind of grabbed onto it. I heard Ryan Holiday on a podcast and bought his book, uh, The Daily Stoic and read it every single day for two and a half years. I read it till it stopped serving a purpose to me. Um, and that was probably the thing that clicked in to like, this is how I'm going to do my self work to figure my, try to figure myself out. That's going to take, I'm 39 and I don't, I have no idea. We need to go to Peru for another reason. Right. <laughs> I, and that was another one. I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I started to hear stuff about ayahuasca and psychedelic experiences and all that kind of stuff. And I was like starting to wonder, um, that stuff just seems so like, introspective and interesting to me uh, and also terrifying and also terrifying <laughs> ayahuasca specifically well that's uh, like a day of hell to get your like yes hour of enlightenment right yeah <laughs> which I feel might like be worth a, the price it could be but i feel like i don't need to go to peru i feel like there's some stuff we could do that <laughs> i just wouldn't think involve that, that the jungle experience like the tripping balls in like a sauna like yep. dying with a shaman who like <laughs> To me, I think there's like you you earned it at that point. True. Instead of just like a ten second hit of DMT, and I apparently you're in, in outer, outer space, space for right. two minutes. That right. feels like seven days, and you, that's just, <laughs> it's too easy. That's the most American thing you've ever said. Fair, fair. <laughs> I uh, want the easy way with the quickest result. Is true, but DMT scares the shit out of me. It's the same thing. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, not from experience. I don't yeah, know at reading. this point yet. Yeah. Actively reading and looking into it, yes. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, I think I think it was that. It was trying to figure out who I am as a person uh, and trying to break some molds that I had built around my life and, I don't know, come into my, my own and who I, who I actually am versus who I thought I was kind of thing. Well, that makes sense. And that's, like I said, I'm... 39 and I still don't have that shit figured out. That's why I do it every day. What are you currently reading? Uh, I'm just finishing a book called setting the table. Uh, it's a book all about the hospitality industry. 
and how it can be life-changing and what it, what it means. I'm a, I am a big believer that everybody, as they grow up, should have to be in the hospitality industry for at least a little bit. I've been there. Yeah, customer service. Work in a kitchen. Work a work at a restaurant. I think I, you've learned so many life lessons. Yeah, I'm like the biggest life lesson it taught me is like I don't want to do this. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> like, Fair. You know, it's just people are assholes, and I'm like yeah. at restaurants. Like Jolene's hit me multiple times at the B Dubs, like just down the street here, because somebody will be like being a jerk to the waitress, and I then give them like one chance to shut up, and then it's yep. I will. I'm gonna make you feel stupid in front of all <laughs> these people. Yeah. Because uh, I wouldn't be able to hold back if I was, like, the manager at Buffalo Wild Wings. I saw my, I'd be like, you're gone, and you're not welcome back in the yeah. store to the customer. Luckily, I don't have to deal with many, many people like that. Um, our target client is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. So. Well, that's nice. Yeah. I don't have to. So, we've read a couple of the similar books and this is something I've like we were like I said we work out together all the time and I've been waiting and we might have touched on it to ask you this like in front of people because you are a person who whose opinion I value and I told you I wanted to have you recurring on here to talk about stuff so this is something I've been holding (laughs) it's not not even remotely scary but let's go Empire (laughs) of the Summer Moon I haven't read that you haven't? no I I read um, Black Elk Speaks Okay. I went that one, and then I was going to read that next, and I don't remember what happened. That was in 2021. <sighs> so this is a big fail, then. I, I didn't... It's on my short list. Okay, well, anyways, I, so you know the context of, like, the Comanche were, like, yep. pure savages, like, yes. in every sense of the word. Like, For sure. Raising kids did it probably to the best of, of anybody currently, even, like... Not a lot of their kids died at childbirth. Right. It's one of the things I learned in the book. Um, they ate meat and berries, which I mean, you're going to have savage kids anyway. And yep. they say savages and like big, strong, aggressive leaders, not savage in any derogatory term. I want people to understand that. Um, but like, question. I was in a meeting and somebody in the meeting started the meeting by apologizing and acknowledging that she was on stolen Comanche land. Okay. <laughs> and in the back of my mind, I was like, you got to be the stupidest human being on the face of the earth. Because she was in Austin. Okay. Um, which the Comanche stole from a different tribe who stole it from the Mexican Indians who stole it from the Pueblos who probably have been there, stole it from somebody else. Right. I was like, do you understand what you're saying? Probably not. What do you think people who say that kind of stuff, like to start a meeting when nobody, you don't need to. Right. What do you think they're looking for? I struggle with this one. Um, Because, like, I've always taken the approach that I want to, respect other people's opinions and I feel like even if I don't agree with the opinion I can learn from it um but at the same time I'm like I don't I don't get the premise behind it honestly and I I would love to love to dig in and figure out what like ask somebody why they do it because like yes the whole situation with 
the indigenous, like that was, we were savage to them. Like that was awful in a bad way. In a very, very bad way. Savage in a bad way. We took over everything, treated them like shit, all that kind of stuff. So like, I recognize that, but I don't, the like stolen land thing is, is I like, honestly, and I'm, I'm open to learning from somebody. I struggle with it because all of it is at some point, any piece of land that you're on was somebody else's piece of land. And at the same time, like, do we even really own any land? Like there, I think you get into some very philosophical questions on what ownership is and isn't. And like, we've been on this, what are we like when in the space of time we've been here for what? Like a less than a second. Right. Kind of thing. So what was here before that? And was there something here before that? And I don't know. It's, it's, to say the least, it's confusing to me. That's a tough one for me, too, because, like, in one sense, I'd be like, okay, if you genuinely feel that way, cool. Yep. But then I'm like, why do you need to share that with a bunch of people who don't know you? And then I look at it the other side, I'm like, what are you doing? Right. Like, why, like, because the reason I bring this up is because a couple people, like, were reaching out to me, like, they're like, they were like, what is she doing? It felt like scripted like she felt yep. like she had to say it and that's where i'm like i like i struggle with the intent of like people right now in general i don't care if like you're left wing right wing like why are you saying what you're saying because i really don't believe what's coming out of your mouth it's a good question it is it's a weird it's a weird time to be alive <laughs> past two years do you think it's like covid trump just broke 50 percent of people's brains I, I think it broke more than 50% of people's... I think COVID broke a lot of people, and it's unfortunate. Um, it's, I mean, it, it sucked, right? Like, we were locked down for so long, and the worst thing you can do for somebody is to put them in solitary confinement, right? Yeah. Like, that's one of, like, the, one of the worst things you can do for the human brain. Like, they talk about people, even in, that have done the murdered people and you throw them in solitary confinement and that's not rehabilitation like you need a community and when you do something when we have something like a covid that like i said it sucked for i mean it sucked for me i I was out of work and and you couldn't only talk to certain people and people lost their way of how to communicate and it became so so like one group thought it was should be done this way one thought it should be done this way and Nobody knew how to talk to each other to solve a problem. And, yeah, I think it got... I think it broke a lot of us. It was very weird. Like, I consider myself, like, libertarian. Like, mm-hmm. I've said that on here a couple of times when politics have come up. Like, I don't really care what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Right. And there's no such thing as consensual sex with a kid. Like, that. that's, like, my boundary. Those are your, your lines. Yeah. Um, do what you do um, and love what you do. Shout out to Jolene. It's tattooed on her hip. Um, is like, there was this weird time in the beginning where, like, you know how if you look at, like, the political spectrum, it's like a U with, like, some horns on it. Yep. You have, like, wackadoodle nut jobs on both sides of the horn. Yep. And then starts to be in the middle. Early in COVID, early in the vaccines, those ends touched. Yep. Because you had the wackadoo right people and the wackadoo left people being like, I'm not doing anything Big Pharma's ever said to do, and that's your wackadoo left. Yep. 
And then your wackadoo right's like, I'm not doing a goddamn thing anybody in the government tells me to do. And so it was like that weird marriage for like two months. But then it like went like that again. Yeah. Um, but what do you think would have been different had Hillary Clinton been in office? I, I wonder if anything, to be honest. I just even looking at what other happened around the world, everywhere lost it a right, little right. bit. Just because... But it seemed like in those other countries, like, let's use, like, Germany, for example. They're pretty much, but, like, German people historically will be, like, do what they're told. Right. Let's use a different country. Like, England. There's assholes there. There's people that hate the government there. Yep. You know, what do you think was, like, the core difference, though, in how they handled it in the beginning, which was pretty similar, but then, like, after the first... Lockdown. Pretty much every country was like doing its own thing. Yeah. Like, what do you think was done differently over there versus here? Like, because you travel the world, you have friends in both places. Yeah. Like, what do you like? Talk me through. I'm trying to remember. God, it feels like forever ago. It was last, literally last year. I know it was. I'm trying to remember how. Like, I remember texting my buddy in England, and we would just have conversations back and forth on what was going on and. They were stricter coming out of it, if I remember correctly, than we were. And, yeah, I don't... It's a tough thing to answer, too, because, like, you, right. you didn't get the opportunity to go there. Like, or live like, there, like, right, and be there in the moment kind of thing. And then, like, my friends in the Netherlands, they had longer lockdowns than we did. Um, man, what happened there? I haven't thought about that a lot recently. Well, then don't. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want you to get uh, traumatized again. Yeah. I kind of, like, after we turned the corner and were allowed to be out in the world again, I kind of tried to, like, compartmentalize that part of my life and be like, I'm done with that chapter. So I haven't thought about it in a while. So th it's going to be a tricky one for me to try to bury because I've said 2020 was the best year of my life. Gotcha. Um, I got to be home with my kids for three months. Right. And before That's that, awesome. Knox didn't know who I was. Right. Because I would get to Lifetime some mornings at four. Yep. And leave at six. And then the next day, like, I would sleep in because I didn't have to be there at four. And they'd be at daycare by the time I woke up. And then, But then I wouldn't get home till 8.39 at night and they're right. already sleeping. So he didn't, like, really know me. Which is unfortunate. Um, but... Like for the like, we thought two weeks, right? So like we we're, right. were building like huge camp out forts right. in the living room, doing like all this crazy for stuff, sure. and I'm like, I can binge drink for two weeks. It's gonna yep. be fun. Um, but it would like then I got my job at Hinge, and then like the law firm stuff had happened. Then I found jujitsu, so like uh, I bought my Mustang. Like yep. all this crazy shit happened for me in 2020, where I was like. And me and Jolene almost felt bad saying it because she got a new job and like yep. things were going well for everyone, and we're like. Like the best year of our life, right? So it's been weird trying to like say that out loud, but I also think you can make any bad situation what appears to be a bad situation. It's how you how you perceive it, yeah. right? Like you can't control it in a, in a way. At least in my opinion, uh, you can't control what is going to happen in the future, and it's all about 
like seizing what you're doing in the moment. Um, I would say like 2020 for me, looking reflecting back on it, it honestly it ended up being a good thing for me because like I just like I said earlier I just quit Lifetime in November or October mm-hmm. October November and I started working at the Vine Room and Vine Shop and what was supposed to be a part-time gig while I figured out what was going to be next in my life and I had planned a month in Europe and because I was like this is like how often do you get this kind of an opportunity at 36 years old to Mm -hmm. take time off and COVID happened and I if if 2020 didn't play out the way it played out I don't think I'd be where I am today I would not be in the wine industry I would not be as deep into it as I was I fell in love with it because of all the time I had and the mentors I had with who I was working with and it I think I just I got lucky I, I, I was able to spin what some people what was a very bad situation for a lot of people um, I can I, I got lucky I didn't lose anybody to it mm-hmm. and you know but I recognize that a bunch of people did I for my life yeah it, it honestly ended up being a good year for me looking back on it oh, well which is weird to say because and we just said it literally broke like a majority of the world's brain right I think that's just because like social media tried to it's probably not as many people as we think right because right, what is it 13 percent of the world is actually on twitter yeah it's these people right. again i'm talking about the horns of the bell curve of politics like yeah. the wackadoos um that and it's because i've, I've said this about politics and like po- like the people who will quit their job to go volunteer for a presidential campaign that's who the president needs to talk to <laughs> he can't talk to like the mom and dad who have four kids at home right. because then he's not going to have the volunteers because they're not saying what they're saying you right. know, is important to them. So that, I think that's like the biggest thing of that goes into it is like they have to pander to their base. Yep. And I, sh- I mean, I personally struggle with politics. I don't like it's if I didn't have to deal with it ever in life, I would, I would, it's one of the things that I would probably avoid the most because I don't know, I just because people are married to it. It's like they it's there's so much identity. identity to it that, and I just I don't know. It just gets gets icky, and it, a lot of people don't want to look at two sides. Every every single situation that we've ever been a part of in all of our lives has multiple ways that things could go. Right? Like there's two sides to every story. There's two ways to look at everything. Um, Except the sex with kids. Fair. Um, <laughs> fair. I corrected. Uh, but like most things, there's there's nuance. There's not a, in my opinion, most things don't have a, there's not a correct answer. There's nuance to the answer. Right. And what could be the right answer for me is the wrong answer for somebody else. And that could just be as simple as my views on the world versus their views. Like I, they're religious. I'm not they're whatever I'm not like yeah. it, it's that like back and forth that nobody wants to sit down and have a conversation and nobody wants to learn from anybody else anymore well like so I was I've been thinking about this like when I I'm trying to not listen to music now when I do my morning walks yeah is like if I would my 21 year old self I would hate I agree I would I'm right there with you and like, I'm talking like 
pol- like political views, like how I talked about things. Oh, and, like I was a douchebag. Um, but I think what's helped is having conversations about the topics around politics where like, like I'm learning from people. I was like, yep. okay, I'll never believe in my heart. That's right. Right. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think you're wrong and I don't care if you're wrong because you're still my friend. Right. But I understand now. Yeah. Oh, I, me and me and my 21 year old self would not get along. We just, yeah, I would hate him. I, we wouldn't like each other at all. Very different views on the world. I was so dumb. I, I still feel like I'm so dumb. I'm learning stuff every single day. Well, yeah, I'm the biggest idiot. Like I, I had an interview for something today and I was like, if I'm not the biggest idiot in the room, there's a problem. And I said this and everybody was just like, and they started laughing. They're like, well, it makes sense. Um, so with that, you have a crazy, I think, amount of life experience. You've rolled the dice, like from a well-paying career. A couple times. Yeah. Uh, rolled those dice. Um, like what is one thing you would go back and tell your 21 year old self? I, and I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this, about career changes. And when I think back on any type of big life change I made when it comes to career moves, anything I knew in my heart two years earlier than when I actually took the step. So I would tell myself to like, the second you have that gut instinct that it's time to do something, step on it and go with it. Like I wasted almost two years working. Wasted is not the right word because it served its purpose in life. But for two years, I thought about becoming a personal trainer when I first started at Lifetime. And then I finally did it and I was through the moon about it. I was excited. I was happy to be a trainer. Um, probably for two years, I thought to myself, I should just move on from, from Lifetime and try my next step. Um, again, now I look back and I look at it and go, why didn't you do that two years earlier? Uh, but again, it served its purpose. So I guess there's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like there's, if it, if I had done it two years earlier, I wouldn't have met Allie at a, at a party and then I wouldn't be working with her and where I am today. If I, we wouldn't know each other. Right. Exactly. I wouldn't know you. Um, there's just, right. There's so many cascading events that it probably served its purpose or not probably it did serve its purpose, you know? So yeah, it's, I think I would tell myself to, a, not take myself too seriously. <laughs> I would. I still tell myself that. Um, get out of your own head, and nobody actually cares about your opinion. <laughs> uh, and yeah. And the second you have a gut feeling about something, go for it. I like that. Why haven't you came to jujitsu yet? Because I have a very addictive personality, and. I know this is probably is if I have to analyze my analyze myself. It's the reason I got out of CrossFit. Um, I know once I go into something, I go all in and there's this for the first time in my life, I have this great balance of working out to time with 
Melanie to time with friends to work to drinking to having good food. I have this balance that if I go into something that I think will trigger my competitive side, I think that balance will come out of whack. Don't and compete. I, that's easier said than done. That's that's what my that's what my fear would be. Like that's why I don't want to get back into any sort of CrossFit movement because my body will be like, "Oh, you feel really good right now. You should go back and do X Y Z." We did a CrossFit workout today. I, and we survived. <laughs> um, I actually feel pretty good right now, but that could be for a lot of different reasons. So like, I think it, I think that's one of the reasons. I should probably just shut up and do it. Anyways, uh, it's a life skill. So, Melanie, if I end up going to one of these and all of a sudden I'm back on counting macros, you have Ray to blame, not me. <laughs> <laughs> you won't need to. It's like, that's the one thing with it. You can eat a ton. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming. And, well, I'll see you Friday to work out. Yep. And, again, this will be a recurring thing. If something, like, happens or I get super pissed about something in politics and I want somebody to talk about it with or, like, somebody does something stupid... This is who is going to come on, um, and we'll probably do the wine one with our wives. Wine and wives is what we'll call that one. Wine.